Do you love NFL football fun and booze? Join us at Thurston Gold Podcast every Saturday night for weekly NFL coverage, whiskey, bourbon, scotch, and beer reviews. We mix expert football analysis with signature drinks, original segments, and lots and lots of laughs. Yes, that's right, football fans. Please join us at Thurston Gold Podcast by heading over to thurstongold.buzzsprout.com or search Thurston Gold on the web. If you're tired of boring podcasts, come join our football party. Hey, we're rolling, we're rolling. We got all game all Stay tuned, man. We got something special for y'all today. You're listening to the Full 10 Yards Podcast. To the 10, right to the 5. Scooting in for the score. Touchdown. Yeah. Welcome back in, everybody. Hope you're all keeping safe and well. And we are moving through uh, divisional previews of all 32 NFL teams. In this way too early segment, but uh, it's good to have that distraction and we're going to keep it rolling. We're moving east today into the AFC East and I'm joined once again by Rob. How are you, buddy? Hello, my man. Yeah, well, very well. Yeah, keeping myself well isolated in these dark times. Uh, just giving my um, my applause at 8 o'clock for the NHS staff and all that. I don't know if you boys did that, but yeah, I certainly was out there clapping my heart out because I think they're doing a fantastic job. Um, so anyone that's in the NHS or the, in the care industry, do uh, do keep up the good work. You're doing an amazing job. Yeah, absolutely, mate. It was actually quite heartwarming, to be fair. I was outside, and like you say, you could hear applause ringing around the estate. So, you know, really, really nice. Um, obviously, like, as you say, absolutely plenty of love and admiration for all yeah. the work that the guys and girls are doing there at this moment in time. Um, we're going to get into then the AFC East, buddy. As I say, yeah. it's a division that's obviously had a fairly dominant team for a number of years, but obviously the big news in the division, the King has gone. So potentially, um, is there a changing of the guard and a team that could potentially go from um, you know bottom of the division all the way to the top is the Miami Dolphins, of course. And I'm delighted to welcome into the podcast an old friend of mine. This is almost like old times, buddy. I'm welcoming him in, Lee. Now with Five Yard Rush. How you doing, fella? How you doing? Uh, yes, good to be on. It's, yeah, like old times. Well, I must say, your background's changed. You were in the kitchen before. I have my upgraded now to the spare bedroom. <laughs> tell you what, how, how things change. Absolutely, mate. Yeah, all good. All good. It's all this working from home. I've had to create an office for myself, but... Uh, doubles up as the podcast studio for me. We're not quite at the level of you boys over at Five Yard Rush with uh, Stocks' garage all kitted out, but uh, this spare bedroom will do for this evening. Let's get straight into it then, buddy. Let's talk about those Miami Dolphins, obviously off the back of a season where I think a lot of people thought that it was full tank mode. And I think, to be fair to Brian Flores and the guys, uh, you know, we talked throughout the season. Um, I don't think that was ever on the cards. You know, you always were adamant that the roster was probably better than people gave it credit for and ended up winning a, you know, a fair few games towards the back end of last season. Um, but obviously all eyes on the franchise heading in certainly to the draft, plenty of capital as we now to spend. We'll talk about that in a minute. But just give us a rundown, mate, of what the Dolphins have done so far through free agency from your perspective. So, yeah, I mean... <sighs> Everyone's well aware that they moved on from a lot of players beginning of last season, so there's plenty of holes on the roster. The the main reason, I think, for that was to actually free up plenty of cap space, get out of a, a little bit of cap trouble that they've been in over the last few years. So they actually headed into free agency this year with um, a league high in, in amount of dollars available to spend, and they 
did go about spending it pretty quickly. Um, they started off by, um, I believe the first free agent they brought in was Eric Flowers, but the big name that they brought in was was Byron Jones, the cornerback from Dallas. Um, they made him the highest paid corner in the league. The interesting thing about that is the previous high paid corner in the league is Xavier Howard, who's also on the team as it stands right now. So they got a lot of money put in that cornerback position, but that's where Brian Flores wants to run his defense from. He wants to have some corners that he can leave to play on their own. He doesn't want to have to give them help, let them play, and it allows him to do some other interesting stuff with the defense. So I think although they spent a lot of money, apparently Byron Jones was actually offered more by the Raiders. But I think they targeted the guy they want, the guy Flores wanted to suit his system. I think they just did what, what they had to to get it done. The, the other interesting thing about Byron Jones is the contract's $82.5 million over five years, but it's front-loaded. So all that money goes, you know, all the guaranteed money comes off the books in the first two years. So it's essentially after two years, they can move on if it's a disaster. Yeah, do you, do you think, um, I mean, obviously Xavier and Hayward, one of the players that did stick around last year, obviously been some some sort of drama in that regard. You, you, you sort of said there when you when you introduced it that he's on the roster as of today. Are you expecting he will be on the roster come the start of the season or do you think there is potentially still some movement in that defensive backfield? I'm really torn on it because I want him to be in the backfield. I think he is a great corner. Um, he's had a little bit of injury worry. But the Dolphins have the cap space to keep them and to keep them over the next couple of years and, and be financially fine. So that's a good thing. The only thing that I think is worth considering is that the Dolphins may use this as a as a piece to dangle if they wanted to move up in the draft, perhaps with somebody like the Lions who were looking for corner help. Yeah, yeah, good show. And uh, I hadn't really thought of that. But yeah, absolutely. Like, like you say, a lot of mock drafts have got... Um, the Lions taking corner and like you say if there's one that's proven that potentially could be used as a bit of bait then uh, you know absolutely good shout the other defensive additions that you've brought in mate generally then are guys that are going to try and get after the after the quarterback and boosted the pass rush as you say if you can get those corners playing on an island just talk us through a few of those pass rushes that you've brought in so they, they started off kind of shopping within the division a little bit they brought in Shaq Lawson the former first round pick of the Bills Former first-round picks is something that throughout free agency has been a bit of a theme um, with Byron Jones also um, with Eric Flowers being a first-round pick. They they kind of like these highly talented guys, even if their performance hasn't been maybe what you expected when they came into the draft, especially with someone like Eric Flowers. But yeah, they went after some pass rush with um, Shaq Lawson. Then they signed Kyle Van Noy from the Patriots. And I think this is a it's a really interesting signing because although it looks like on paper they may have, they paid the upper end that you know maybe overpaid for some people. Um, this is a player who arguably the best game of of his career came under Brian Flores in the Super Bowl against the Rams. You know he's it's the perfect player to sort of come in, know the system, knows what he wants to do and really run the defence. This is kind of bringing in a, a, a captain of a defence. Um, I think Brian Flores obviously knows him from the time in New England. And this this feels like a pick that he's made specifically. He said, right, I want that guy. The other interesting kind of 
idea with it is the Patriots have been known to go shopping in the division for a specific reason. It's to stop other teams from getting better. So you might overpay slightly, but part of that is I'm paying to weaken an opponent. And you'll see that with the Dolphins bringing in Carl Van Noy especially, but then they also brought in the centre Ted Karras, who played a lot last year for New England, and um, the linebacker whose name has just completely walked out of my head, Alandon Roberts. So they, they went and got three Patriots. And I think part of that is their scheme fits, their players of need, but also it helps weaken the division opponent. Yeah, no, absolutely, mate. Um, and, you know, like you say, Carl Van Noy's been one of those players that probably not in the upper echelons, like you say, in terms of superstardom, but certainly he's been a very respectable player for, for quite some time. And a name that you've mentioned there a couple of times, and Robin is going to come to you for your opinion on him, mate. Eric Flowers, he's a guy that obviously was sort of taken quite high on in the draft. Lee almost alluded to it there, hasn't necessarily performed. Um, you know, to his certainly to his draft status, and it was a bit of an eyebrow raiser, wasn't it, to to sort of you know hand out a three-year, thirty million dollar contract for a guy um, that probably hasn't you know certainly lived up to his potential so far in his career. Yeah, I think I think as as Lee's just gone through the whole uh, sort of all the team, all the players that they've signed. I think they've done a very good job overall. I think that uh, the the key players that they've brought in, and like Lee said, you're bringing in players from a divisional rival who. Uh, have worked with Brian Flores before. Brian Flores is going to get the best out of these players. And I think they've done very well as a whole. Um, Eric Flowers, for me, is the one exception to that. I, I, I haven't seen it from Eric Flowers when he was at, at, at Washington, Jags, and, and before that when he got drafted by the Giants. For me, he's the one questionable player out of that. To give him $30 million over three years is a bit steep. Um, but we'll see that, you know, the offensive guards in this draft coming up are, are quite few and far between. There's, it's loaded with tackles, but not so many guards. Um, so, you know, maybe, you know, Miami looked at it and said, well, we've got no O-line at all. Uh, we need to get the best players available. And, and he might be one of those players that have said, look, we're going to bring him in. We've got the cap space. We can have him for three years. We'll see what he'd do. And I'm sure they'll, they'll um, at some point further down the line in this offseason, they'll be bringing in more weapons on that offensive line through the draft. Yeah, yeah. I think it's, it's, really, it's really important to, to, to make the distinction like you just did that they've not brought him in to play tackle. This is, this is a move to play guard. The, the, yeah. the last eight games of last season for Washington, I think it's the sample size they're using. They're saying, right, I think he gave up two sacks and took one penalty in those last eight games. That That's sure. something we can build upon. I think they believe in their coaching staff. And I think the biggest reason for optimism for this team is Brian Flores. So yeah. bringing him back to Miami, he, he um, went to the University of Miami. I, I think that's the reason to do it. But yeah, it's definitely, a, it was an eyebrow raiser and it got a lot of pushback from some Dolphins fans. Yeah, I think it's more the money side of it. I, I don't necessarily disagree. I don't, I don't say he's a bad player. Um, I just think he's very average and to sign a uh, sort of a higher echelon, uh, higher echelon yeah. contract. Uh, for what he's done, it just didn't make sense. But you know, you know, obviously Brian Flores, like we saw in New England, has got the ability to bring the best out of players, and we saw that in the second half of last season. Um, you know, Miami looked terrible for the first half of the season. Second half of the season, they beat they beat my Indiana Indianapolis Colts, and, and looked a different team. And from then onwards, looked much better. So um, you know, definitely positives coming out of that camp. And I think, like I said, uh, the majority of signings have been have been fantastic and just what the Dolphins needed. 
Yeah, the other notable name that we haven't talked about yet, a guy that Eric Flowers will hopefully be blocking for, and that's Jordan Howard at running back. Obviously, that was a room that was in desperate need of an upgrade. If if Fitzmagic ends up as your leading rusher, then you know you need an upgrade in the backfield. Uh, I actually really quite like Jordan Howard. I think he's just been the victim of being in some crowded running back stables uh, so far in his career, mate. So you, you must be excited at the prospect of Jordan Howard becoming the, the, the sort of bell cow and carrying the, the vast majority of the carries out of the running back room. Yeah, I think they they definitely like his experience is a massive a massive one in the plus column for him. I think the con- the tron- contracts nice again. It's it's short. All of the contracts really, other than the Byron Jones contracts, are sort of three years. They're all yeah. front loaded again. It, it all fits into the same mold of the, these are good players that don't have a lot of red flags, but they're also players that not necessarily. Uh, huge on stats. Do you know what I mean? I'll come back to that in a minute. I've got a particular one that's probably worth mentioning. But I think Jordan Howard's a great fit. Also, as you've mentioned already, they've got a lot of draft picks in you know in this year's draft. At the moment, you're just making... You're giving yourself as many options as possible and trying to eliminate some of these positions of need. There was plenty of them. You know, There was a reason that people were talking about it as a tank season. There was plenty of holes. But... If you can start to plug some of those now like they have, all of a sudden those options come open in the first round of the draft where they, they had three picks. Yeah, absolutely, man. Let's move on to the draft thing. Because obviously, you know, Miami probably the team that everybody is watching for. Are they going to move up? Are they going to sit at number five overall? Um, we'll get your view on that in a minute. Obviously, at the moment, sitting with three first round picks. Um yeah, let's get straight into that question, mate. What what do you think they do? Do you think they stay put or do you think they're moving up to make sure that they secure the quarterback that they want? Everyone's assuming it's quarterback. Do you have a different view to that? No, it's definitely quarterback. So it is 100% quarterback. Um, yeah. every, everything we've heard is that Stephen Ross, the owner, fell in love with Tua Tungavailoa two years ago and that that has been the mandate basically ever since. It's, it's do what it takes to make sure you have Tua Tungvaluara on this roster. Um, rightly or wrongly, um, some people are not going to like that. Some people, especially with the injury and stuff like that. But now and again, the owner's going to get what he wants. He's pretty good at letting the football guys now do what they want. But I think the last player he fell in love with was Lamar Jackson. He got told he couldn't have him. And I don't think he's going to let that happen again. But no. better I'll- or worse. I think the, the the better question for that is, could you see Miami trading up to the second pick or the third pick in order to make sure they're ahead of the likes of Los Angeles, the likes of Jacksonville, who Jacksonville have got two first round picks, so they could move up. They might want to be looking up for a quarterback, especially if two is on the board at three. Um, so is that, a possibility that Miami could jump up a couple of places after Joe Burrow's gone to Cincy to definitely grab Tua? I think it's a, a very realistic possibility. I think they, they would have to be very sure that no one else uh, wanted Tua to, to sit where they are. I mean, they, they don't only have three first-round picks this year. They also have another two next year and another mm. two second-round picks next year. I mean, th- this isn't... It's not just the 14 picks they got this year. They got a lot of picks again next year. I think it's in yeah. the region of 11. You know, they've got all the ammunition and I think they're willing to make sure they do yeah. what it takes to get their man. I would imagine the conversation would probably be something like, 
once someone has a serious offer, come back to us and we'll beat it. Because, hey, you can. And yeah. I, I'm, I support that because I think if you, if you have a player that you want, just make sure you get him. Don't be sitting in well, the draft and say, we took second best. We, we, we see it from years to year. We saw it with Mitch Trubisky when the Bears moved up one spot. We saw it with uh, the Jets who traded with, with Mike Colts to get Darnold. So it's a common thing. I, th- I think, like you said, I think it's, it's possible with all, the, all that capital that Miami have got. Why not? Why, why not? You know, it's the, the team you're trading with uh, in second in, in uh, Washington, the, the pick for them after getting Dwayne Hastings last year would, would be uh, the edge rusher, Chase Young. But they've got two really good edge rushers on their defense. They've, they've got their pieces in place on their defense. They don't need him. So they'd be beneficial to get as much capital as they could. So yeah. it all makes sense in my head uh, for Miami to move up to, to grab Tua. I think if they could, if, if it was an ideal situation, they'd obviously sit a fight. If they had to make a trade, I wouldn't be surprised if they were phoning Detroit and saying, look, you want corner help. We'll give you Xavier and Howard to move up and you still get Isaiah Simmons. And now you've, now you've plugged two huge holes. Yeah, sure. Do you know what I mean? I, you know, I'd love to say I've got some sort of insight on this. It's just a, a gut feeling. When they made the Byron Jones signing, it kind of made... They've got so much tied up in, in the corners that although they've got the ability to pay that and still be flexible... They're just part of me says it kind of makes sense. If it happened, I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, that's that's fair. That's fair. And then of course you can you can go grab another corner with with one of your sixteen picks or whatever it is. So. It, exactly. Yeah. So you know they've got. I, I I would expect to see a lot of moving around the board in all different rounds for them. They've got a big gap mm-hmm. between picks seventy and I believe one hundred and forty-one. So I just expect you you know to see some moving around. So, so let's assume that two was taken. Then, whether it's you know with with the fifth pick or whether you've had to package some stuff up. Um, obviously, like you say, there's a ton of picks. So, let's not go through all of them, obviously. But what <laughs> pos- what positions do you think they uh, they should be targeting? I'm, you know, I'm assuming probably looking wide receiver, O line. You know, from the outside looking in, they would be two areas. Is there is there anything else that Miami you think need to be really seriously looking to strengthen? So yeah, I was, I was actually looking at this on the the notes that you sent over. I I believe as do a lot of Dolphins fans, that the, the wide receivers is kind of low on the list. It's actually not as high as people would think. Um, he got hurt a little bit earlier in the year, but Preston Williams looked good last year. Yeah. And, yeah, and I did. think it sometimes gets forgotten when you get to the end of the season that he was kind of not there. Devontae Parker was playing really well. Yeah. And Albert Wilson coming back from his injury was really starting to, to hit some form towards the back end of the year. I was actually watching... Um, some of those games at the end of the season last night and you could see the explosiveness coming back. It took a year, but it was a nasty hip injury he had. So I think it, that kind of lowers that position on on the board somewhat for me. I'd also maybe use that as if there's teams looking to move up and get that wide receiver as my option to move back. But yeah, mm-hmm. definitely tackle O-line help is going to be high on the, on the board. Um, the other thing is if you go with to a tongue of Iloa. obviously being left-handed you may want to address that right tackle first rather than go left tackle such as some of these players where they say well we played right right tackle in college but they project him to be a left tackle in the nfl but it's the dolphins it may be the other way around they may want to keep him there because yeah. long term yep makes sense 
No, absolutely, mate. Like you say, there's plenty of flexibility. Like you say, I'd imagine the Dolphins will be very, very active come draft night. Uh, let's have a quick look at the very early betting. Um, I'm a little bit surprised by this division. We won't go through them all now because we'll get to each team when we go through them um, individually. But just in terms of the Dolphins, mate, still sitting as the outsiders for the division. Uh, but 12 to 1, which you know I think is probably a fair representation of the improvement that's been made since last year. I'd imagine they were obviously sitting at a much bigger price this time last year. Would you be tempted to throw 50 pence each way at 12 to 1, mate, for the Dolphins to, to take the divisional crown? Do you think that's a possibility? Oh, yeah, without a doubt. Um, I, I definitely would. Maybe the thing that concerns me more than, than some other people is, is Ryan Fitzpatrick. He did play well. I like Ryan Fitzpatrick. Big fan. Loved watching him play, but we are in that mode where he plays well for a few games, people get excited, then starts to go back downhill again, then moves to another team and rinse and repeat. So that concerns me slightly, but I honestly believe we have the second best coach in the AFC East right now, even after one year. The, the improvement this team made, I mean, whilst everyone's locked up at home, I implore you to go and watch a couple of the early season games, even the preseason games, and then watch a couple of those games at the end of the year and see the improvement in some of the players that wouldn't necessarily make other rosters. That's, that's coaching. That's what you want to see. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I understand what – it's great to see someone like a Patrick Mahomes play, but it's easier to coach Patrick Mahomes. He's got – he has that talent. You go and watch someone like Nick Needham, who was undrafted. At the beginning of the season – he looked like he didn't belong on the field. At the end of the year, he was almost a lockdown corner. It was that the improvement was really impressive and it, it fills me with a lot of hope for this team going forwards with the coach. Yeah, no, absolutely. We talked last year, didn't we? we? We said it was a good hire at the time and it certainly seems to have turned out that way. Um, you know, predicting good things myself for the Dolphins under Brian Flores' tutorship. Uh, Rob, let's swing it over to yourself, mate, just for a, a bit of fantasy talk. Give us some players on Miami's team that we potentially should be looking to draft. Obviously, a couple of rookies might come into this conversation as we get towards yeah. the season. But just based on what we know and who's on the roster today, where do you think we should be looking? Well, this is what I was going to say when we sort of finish up the trade there, the trade talks. I, I wonder if Miami are going to come and get a, a running back, um, either sort of the end of the first or in the second. And I wonder if Jordan Howard is again going to be the, the victim here of, of a crowded um, a crowded back room, but uh, a running back room. But um, we'll see. Uh, the player that obviously stands out for me, is Devante Parker. Uh, as Lee's mentioned already, he had a fantastic end to last season. Uh, this was the Devante Parker that we were promised in 2015. He finally came to fruition and he's finally showing his true colours. Uh, can he continue it? Yes, I think he can. Um, I think, like, like we've discussed, Miami are getting much, much better. They're putting a lot of key pieces in place uh, and it's going to, you know, eventually... We'll see Tua Tungvalu come into this into this offense, start hosting out the ball, and Devonta Park is going to be a, a good connection for him, I, I believe. And Preston Williams is the, is the sleeper there. Um, again, like Lee said, he's a very good player. Uh, was hampered last year, but um, he did make the right moves at the right time. And he, he looks the complete player. Preston Williams, for me, is definitely one that's that's going to be flying under the radar that could surprise a few people in fantasy this year. Yeah, a couple of wide receivers there then to keep your eyes peeled for once 
the fancy draft season is well, honey, hopefully just around the corner. But uh, might <laughs> seem like a rather long corner we'll to navigate around this time around. <laughs> but uh, we'll get there together, won't we? Um, as we're talking fancy, Lee, probably only fair that we give you an opportunity, mate, just to let everybody know where they can normally find you and get hold of you. And obviously, the good work that you boys over at Five Yard Rush are doing. So take your plug away, mate. Yeah, so you can find us over at Five Yard Rush. Um trying to pump out content all the time um started that youtube channel so trying to get that going is an interesting feat in its own right but um always having a good time yeah you can find me on twitter at five yard lee um always happy to talk dolphins especially but yeah just anything football especially in these dark times no absolutely mate and uh, keep up the good work that you and the boys over there are doing um, always a good listen um, and obviously you know as we say if you're not following the boys make sure that you do um, and um, like I say they'll get you some good content throughout the course of the off season and beyond right that wraps up the talk for us on the Dolphins Elite thanks very much for your time this evening mate been an absolute pleasure and keep in touch pal no problem thanks for having me cheers Pal. okay let's talk some Buffalo Bills and if you ever need yeah. proof that we aren't necessarily in splendid isolation. I'm delighted to be joined all the way from Las Vegas in the USA by yeah. Brandon Fazolari. How are you doing, matey? Yeah, excellent, man. How are you doing? I am doing really, really well, thank you. Really good. We've just been talking off air, as I've just mentioned there. You're in Vegas. How is things looking with the new Raiders Stadium? Yeah, I mean, the stadium looks extraordinary. It's so Raiders-esque because it's so black. And it's like no stadium I've ever seen. So it's going to be really phenomenal if we can get the season going, uh, you know, this autumn. It's going to be great. Yeah, fingers crossed. Are you uh, potentially switching allegiances? You're obviously going to talk about the Bills, but obviously being local, I think you're potentially going to get yourself a season ticket to start uh, cheering on the Raiders. Yeah, in fact, I just made my last payment yesterday for the season ticket. Now, one thing is happening. The Bills are playing in Las Vegas in the autumn so uh that'll be very interesting how if if it's week one i'll probably still wear bill stuff but by mid-season you don't know (laughs) see who's got the better record at that stage absolutely (laughs) that sounds good to me mate back two horses in the race sounds good sure uh, you are on to talk a bit of buffalo bills with us how long have you been following the bills oh yeah i always follow the bills very closely yeah that's where you were born and raised isn't it buffalo yeah, I managed to make it there for 31 years, which is 30 winters. That's impressive. Impressive for a <laughs> Buffalo winter. Indeed. Indeed. And uh, let, let's get into it then in terms of what the Bills have done during the off-season because they've made quite a splash, haven't they? One of the things that um, that they have done, of course, is had a wide yeah. receiver in the shape of Stefan Diggs. Um, came with a fairly hefty price tag, obviously multiple draft picks involved. Just explain that from your perspective. Do you think that was a good move? And is he the guy that potentially elevates this Bills offense to a different level? You know, that's a great question. I don't know. You know, when I look at Stefan Diggs, I don't see wide receiver one. I see wide receiver 1.5 when Thielen is on the other side of the field. So the jury's out, you know. I mean, he's definitely going to do something for this Buffalo offense that they weren't able to accomplish last year. Um, you know, Brown is a good player. Beasley's a good player. But um, th- nobody on defense is shaking in their boots when, you, you know, when those are the two top receivers on the team. So Diggs' addition is, is excellent for the team. Is he 
is he, you know, Larry Fitzgerald or Antonio Brown in their prime? Of course not, but he's a great route runner. He, uh, he gets separation. He's going to be something that uh, Josh Allen can look to for the deep ball. And, and I don't know if you know much about Josh Allen's deep ball, but last year he's 15 of 59 on the long ball, which is one of the, one of the worst deep ball quarterbacks I've ever seen. I'm, I'm, and I'm thinking, you know, Mark Sanchez and Sam Bradford, you know, so yeah. Josh has got to improve in that element. And I think Buffalo, you know, they paid a price because they thought, well, here's something that could get our team over the top. Yeah, no, absolutely. Like you said, Josh Allen, um, you know, improved last season. Like you said, the deep ball accuracy is still an issue. He can obviously heave it a hell of a long way, can't he? But like oh, you man. say, Stefan Diggs potentially he makes a nice little trifecta there, doesn't it? As you say, with John Brown yeah. on the other side, Cole Beasley probably working from the slot. Um, yeah. yeah, so some good pieces there. Uh, just in terms of other additions, um, I quite like the Josh Norman move personally. Um, you know, a, a cornerback that you know has had a bit of a down season, but I think coming in will obviously be quarterback, quarterback, cornerback number two probably yeah. on the on the charts. Obviously behind um, Tre'Davious White, who you know personally for me is one of the top five in the league. Oh yeah, um, good good potential bounce back opportunity for Josh Norman. Do you feel in this scheme? That's possible. You know, I don't know what he's got left in the tank. You know, about four or five years ago, he was one of the five best corners in the league. But um, is it his talent that has gone down? Or was it just being in a, in a horrific scheme and a terrible team, one of the worst defenses in football? Did he contribute to that? Or was he the best player on a bad defense? I don't know. Uh, I think that it's right now they're painting by numbers with their defensive backs. You know, they're just getting a lot of quantity. I don't know if you've seen, they picked up EJ Gaines. I think he was with the Browns last year. Um, and I think they'll draft a cornerback real high um, or as high as they go in this draft. Um, so is Norman the answer? Well, maybe, you know, McDermott knows him better than anybody. So we'll see. Yeah, no, absolutely. I'm a big fan of Sean McDermott. I mean, he's a he's a guy that you know, I know from conversations with the Browns and their constant um, coaching changes was very highly thought of by members of the Browns building a couple of off seasons ago when they were in one of their inevitable coaching high <laughs> circles. Um, personally, would have been quite happy to have taken him. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so yeah, he certainly seems to be the guy potentially to get the best out of him. Anybody notably that's left? I think you know Shaq Lawson. I saw move to the Dolphins. Anybody else that's departed that you think is going to be a big loss for the Bills? Not really. No. Um, the two losses were on defense. Um, I think uh, Phillips is the or, yeah Phillips is the other guy you're probably thinking about. Um, who who was a surprise actually? I think he led the Bills in sacks. You know. And he's a good run stopper, but I feel like they have a strong enough depth on the defensive line where uh, I don't see either loss being that huge of an impact. Lawson finally had a really above average season. I think there was so much potential with him coming out of Clemson and he had, whether it was injuries or a coaching scheme or whatever, never, never fully developed until last season. So is he going to be outstanding with Miami? I don't know. Um, but I, I don't think either loss is that big. I think the, the you know, where the weakness was on the Bills last year was uh, some of their tackling. Um, and the def like you say, the defensive back, uh, you know, number two, number three DBs probably could have been a little bit better. But defensively, they're, they're solid. I mean, they're very good. One of the five best defenses in the league, I think, going into next season. 
Oh yeah, I don't think there's any question about that. Like you say, they were you know exceptionally good. There were two good defenses in that division last year. Obviously, the Patriots started off exceptionally well and, and kind of faded away towards the back end. But certainly, the Bills were right up there with them throughout the course of the season. Let's turn our attention to the draft. Obviously, probably lost a little bit of excitement. Obviously, now with the number one pick being traded away as part of the move for Diggs, as we've mentioned. So, not slated to be on the clock as things stand until pick 54 yeah. in the draft. What kind of positions do you think the Bills would be potentially looking to address um, You know, early on in the draft? I think, again, uh, corner. I think, we could, I think the Bills will look at depth at that position. I think by 54, you're going to see a couple of guys still on the board. I like uh, Jalen Johnson out of Utah. He could still be out there. Um, A.J. Terrell could be out there. I like um, – there's a running back from Boston College. He probably – uh, second-round pick probably be a little too high. But um, I think his name is A.J. Dixon. And, um, and that, that would be a good pickup for the Bills, if, if not second-round, third-round. Somebody to take Gore's spot, you know, is kind of a – uh, you know, uh, uh, complement to uh, everything Singletary's supposed to do. He's supposed to be an RB1 and put up numbers that McCoy did two years ago. So we'll see what Singletary can offer. I know one thing about Singletary, he averaged five, six yards a carry, which is uh, phenomenal. So any kind of complement, maybe a big back, power back, uh, is going to be a, a nice step for the Bills. So I like corner and running back. Um, as far as um, like late rounds, maybe some depth on the offensive line. Yeah, you can never get too many bodies on the trenches either side of the ball, can you? So absolutely makes sense to get some extra depth there. Just on Singletary, just ask you a question directly about him. Like you said, probably his first season going in as undoubtedly the RB1 on the depth chart. What kind of season, what kind of campaign are you expecting out of him? Obviously, as you said, he, he shined in you know a sort of relatively limited sample size last year. Assuming that he does get the bulk of the work, what kind of campaign do you think Singletary is capable of? That's a, a, if I had that answer, I you know I'd be an expert. But um, that's a big question mark. Is you know he's a very small player, so uh, is he going to be a twenty twenty five carry guy, uh, seven eight catches? You know, uh, I don't know. You know, like I love the way the Patriots have used James White in the past. Um, if you know, if we had somebody that, like I said before, if the Bills had somebody to compliment him and get him maybe 15, 20 carries uh, a week and those seven, eight uh, catches, because he's excellent out of the backfield. I don't know if you recall in the, in the playoff game against Houston, I thought Singletary was the best offensive player for yeah. the Bills that day, especially out of the backfield. Um, and, you know, this is, a, this is an opportunity for Buffalo, I think, to um, reshape their offensive mindset and just run maybe more of a West Coast style offense where um, they're not going to run the ball 40, 45 times a game, you know, put the ball in Josh Allen's hands and let Singletary maybe get more of his productive plays, you know, with screens and, and flares and things like this. Yeah, no, it makes sense. Absolutely. Um, just in terms of then looking at the, the sort of prospect of a divisional win, obviously a good season last season, finishing 10 and 6 and obviously second in the AFC East. You'd probably be amiss of me not to ask for your reaction to the news that's probably took everybody by surprise that Tom Brady not gone back to New England. I think we certainly on, on this podcast were talking about him either returning there or retiring. I don't think anybody 
probably thought about him moving, um, but obviously he's out of the division now after such a long period of dominance. Obviously, he must be delighted from that regard. But how do you think that the Patriots are going to react to that? There's such a big grin on Brandon's face. For, for all of the viewers, I know, you, I, I, for, I know the listeners can't see you, but he's grinning from ear to ear as oh I ask that God. question. It's amazing. You know, um, that's a great question. I, I, I think... I don't think the Patriots are going to win the division if, if, if that's what you're hinting at. I, I um, like you said, I'm delighted that Tom left. I don't think I never, I'll, I'll be honest with you. I never once thought he would retire. I thought he would, he would come back to the Patriots or move on to another team. He just, he's, you know, he is the most competitive person player I've ever seen in life. Maybe, maybe close to Kobe Bryant, you know, and that, that kind of, mentality that mamba mentality you know um and and that's what makes him such a great competitor and i know as a bills fan it probably would have been nice um to beat him (laughs) but you know hey the second best thing is to get rid of him and um but but i i don't think you know this automatically opens the door for the bills um that tom left i think like if there's one reason why they're going to win the division it's because tom left but um, the Jets and the Dolphins are both massively improved, in my opinion. Uh, if Darnold stays healthy, the Jets are a pretty darn good football team, you know, with Bell in the backfield. And, you know, their weakness, their weakness might be the Bills' strength next year is, is, that, is the, the wide receiver depth. And I love what Coach Flores brings to the Dolphins, and especially now he's grabbing some of the um, Patriots' best defenders to, to join him. So I think it's a wide open division. And one other thing I will say about the Bills' ten and six record last year, I think it was um, they were a good football team. Don't get me wrong, but I think a byproduct of a, of a weak schedule for both the Patriots and the Bills. I don't mm. think the Patriots and the Bills were as good as their records were. You know, if they played like an NFC West, like they're going to do next year, you know, or this upcoming year, um, and the AFC West, you know, with Patrick Mahomes and. And even the Chargers are going to, I think, are going to be substantially better, even though they lost Rivers. But, you know, they lost at 25 interceptions, too. I think um, it's going to be, I think it's, it's going to be tough for both the Patriots and the Bills to duplicate what they did last year. Not saying that they can't, but um, I think their records, their 12 and 4 and uh, 10 and 6 records, respectively, were a product of their week schedule. Yeah, I think that's a fair show. I think I remember back when New England was sitting at sort of seven and oh eight and oh whatever it was and, and that yeah, was yeah. was essentially the the thing that people were throwing at them, wasn't it? That they hadn't necessarily played anybody right. and, and like you say, that will be interesting this year. Um I mean you're obviously in Vegas, so I don't know what the odds are like in Vegas, but just for the UK listeners, the the Patriots are actually still from the UK bookmakers perspective, the divisional favourites, which I found a little bit surprising. The Bills are second favourite, so in, in terms of our odds, it's 11 to 10 best price for the Patriots and 6 to 4 the Bills. Jets then, um, and then followed by the Dolphins as the outsiders. So I, I found that a little bit surprising. Obviously, I suppose you've ultimately got to go and beat the team that has, has sort of had this period of dominance, so I understand that. But I think the Bills are second favourite. It's a little bit of a surprise. I, I, I could certainly see the Bills as the favourites, although, like you say, I do think it'll be tough and a competitive division nonetheless. I think that the um, by week three or four, <laughs> the Patriots stock will go down. Um, if you really like the Patriots, um, don't bet on don't bet on them yet. <laughs> wait, yeah. wait on them. 
it will. Yeah, it will be interesting. I think, like you say, come. I mean, we're obviously calling this the way too early divisional previews, and obviously the draft will have huge impacts. And who knows what's going to happen um, once all the rosters are finally set. But certainly, as we sit here today, um, I do think the Bills stack up very, very well in the division. Um, Rob, unfortunately, he's not been able to join me for this element of the recording. So we're just going to talk a little bit of fantasy football. Um, in terms of the Buffalo Bills, do you play any fantasy football yourself? Yeah, sure. Yeah, if you were looking yeah. to draft some Buffalo Bills, then where do you think we should be looking for? What uh, what players do you think we should be looking to select? Somebody, somebody pretty obvious, probably, and then maybe somebody a little bit later on in the draft that might be some value. Do you think? Yeah, yeah, very. I'll tell you who's very obvious is Josh Allen, um, because he uh, he rushes in a lot of touchdowns. He's a great short yardage. Uh, gainer uh he's great on third and six third and seven to run it himself and gain it and the bills sometimes they get criticized for this but they design runs for him too Hmm. so um so other than the fact that he should go up in touchdown passes and yards uh passing um he's always he is going to give you rushing yards and rushing touchdowns because he's a great athlete and um and he falls back on that Maybe as he develops, he'll he'll uh, turn into a pocket passer, but we don't know right now. Um, I like Dawson Knox as kind of a sleeper. He's going to be their tight end um, with depth at the wide receiver position and um, Singletary out of the backfield. Uh, maybe they're going to look to their tight end one a little bit more. So um, if you don't know who Dawson Knox is, maybe you give him a check. Yeah, no, absolutely good advice. I played Dawson Knox a few times in DraftKings towards the back end of the season as he had a couple of games that uh, he had a, a nice um, couple of outings, didn't he? So, yeah, look for him to continue in that manner. He's a we... tough kid. He breaks a lot of tackles. I love watching him. He, uh, I know Kyle Brandt out here in the U.S. loves him because he runs through people. Yeah, absolutely. He's got a good attitude, hasn't he? Like you say, it's good to see. Absolutely. He uh, reminds me a little bit of um, George Kittle. And before everybody slates me, I'm not saying he's as good as George yeah, Kittle. sure. But he's that type of player, isn't that he? That like type of say. player. Exactly, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay, cool. I think that's um, a pretty good overview of where we are with the Bills. I think yeah. it's a franchise that um, is certainly trending in the upwards direction. Um, certainly, I would suggest every possibility of being in the playoffs come January, yeah. fingers crossed, obviously assuming that the season goes ahead on time, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and like you say, it'll be interesting to see what they do, not on the board until the second round of the draft. So potentially some wheeling and dealing to move up and down the board potentially, um, but certainly a franchise that seemed pretty set moving forward. Just in yeah, terms they potentially could be the third best team in the conference, I think. It's potential. I'm not saying it, but they – you know, you look at the Chiefs and maybe the Ravens and everything else points to Buffalo being, you know, right up there with a Tennessee or, or a Cleveland or Pittsburgh. You know, they're in that range. You know, they could be, you know, I, I picked them to win the division. I'll put it that way. Yeah, I, I do think the AFC as a conference is generally more open. Like you say, you take the Chiefs and, and the Ravens aside, then like you say, I think there are a number of teams in that kind of bracket, aren't there, that, you know, potentially need a few things to go their way, but certainly they, you know, it wouldn't be the biggest surprise at all to see the Bills competitive. Oh, um, and the Colts. I think the Colts will be better too with the, with With Rivers. Rivers. Yeah, Yeah. no, absolutely. Big upgrade for them. Big upgrade for them. Brandon, it's been an absolute pleasure, mate. Where can people interact with you on social media and uh, get, um, you know, all of your insight into all things Buffalo and just all things in general? Oh my God. At Dr. Super Bowl, at DR Super Bowl is my Twitter handle. And, Right now, 
because I'm taking some time away from sports because I miss March Madness and I miss the hockey playoffs. I've been doing my top 90 favorite movies of the 90s, top 90 favorite songs of the 90s, and the same with the 80s and the 80s. So um, if you like music and you like movies and you just need a month or two break from sports, you know, give me a follow because it's uh, I love looking back at when I was in my prime. No, absolutely, mate. I was. Uh, I have been checking that out the last few days, and I think we yeah. we need to have words off air. How on earth is Back to the Future Two only number fifty-one out of the eighties? We can we can discuss this offline, though, Brandon. That should be much higher on the list, in my opinion. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> it, I don't want to give you. I don't want to do too much of a spoiler alert. So, Back to the Future Two might be a little low for you, but check out where Back to the Future One is on this list. <laughs> I I will I will hold you to it, my friend, and I look forward to it. Okay. Absolute pleasure to have you on, mate. Really yeah, appreciate you joining us. You take care and, uh, you know, take care over there in the States as well. I know everyone's right, in a, a strange situation right now, but stay safe, my friend, and we'll speak soon. Always. Cheers. Thank you, buddy. All right, let's get into the second half of the AFC East then. And let's talk about a franchise that had a 7-9 and nine campaign last year. Probably were expected to do a little better than that at the start of the season. We got off to a slow start, but finished relatively strong. So is there optimism for 2020? Let's find out by bringing in Tom, our New York Jets fan. Tom, how are you, my friend? Hi, hi, mate. I'm very well, thanks. All things considered. Uh, sun's out, so it could be worse. Stuck inside for, for the most of the, uh, the day, but yeah, not too bad. Good stuff, mate. Good stuff. Absolutely enjoy this weather while we can. Um, I'm sure isolation will feel a lot worse if it's raining, but uh, as we keep saying, um, you know, let's take all the small mercies that we can get at the minute. So good to hear you're doing well, mate. Let's get straight into it then, buddy, and talk about the, the Jets. It's a team that, you know, from the outside looking in, and I say this with respect as a Browns fan, because I know exactly what it's like to have a franchise that uh, often gets ridiculed. Um, a lot of people... Not very high when it comes to the head coach Adam Gase. Think he's a you know essentially somebody that can uh, you know do his best to ruin any franchise that he touches. Is the impression from the outside looking in? What what's your view just in terms of Adam Gase? Is this a team that's in the right direction, or is Adam Gase a big problem for the Jets? Do you feel? I, I think I think both of those statements are true. I think generally the franchise is headed in the right direction, um, but Gase is Gase is the main factor holding it back. Um, the, the real issue for me with, with, with Gase is that the, there was nothing from his, his record in Miami apart from beating bad Jets teams that suggested he was, he was, he was worth taking on as head coach. Um, I'm, I'm quite happy so far with the work of the new GM, Joe Douglas. Um, so from, from, from that respect, in terms of the players that we're bringing in, and he's obviously got his first chance with, with his first draft this time around. Uh, I'm hopeful in that regard, but when it comes to Adam Gase, I think we're going to to really regret not allowing Matt Rule to bring his own coaching staff last year. Um, I think Carolina have have got themselves a, a good head coach who's who's going to do some exciting things, um, and we're stuck with Adam Gase, who who, who uh, in terms of game plan is very vanilla. Um, he doesn't seem to know when to break a trend in a game. Um, he doesn't seem to see the opposition's game plan coming. Um, he's a poor man manager. We've had issues with players last year who were injured, Quincy and Noon were in particular. Um, we, we've, we've got a real issue in, in the head coach in, in that um, he, he just simply is not getting players or fans on side. 
And so, it, in one respect, things are moving forward, but I, I feel like Gase is the main factor holding us back at the minute. Yeah, it's interesting when it comes to Adam Gase. Obviously, you know, essentially developed his reputation, didn't he, a number of years ago now um, with Peyton Manning at the Broncos. I think every criticism of Adam Gase will say that that was essentially just Manning's offence that had Adam Gase's name over the top of it. Um, and he's not really done a lot to disprove that, has he? So a big season for Adam Gase, because like you said, I don't think seven and nine is going to cut the mustard in 2020. You've alluded, you've alluded to it there, the work that's been done by the front office, and it's been quite an active start to the off-season from the Jets. There's a number of moves being made, um, particularly across the offensive line, and a number of people brought into some of the skill positions on both sides of the ball. So talk us through um, you know, the off-season moves in terms of free agency, mate. Well, last year was quite quite an exciting free agency in terms of big names and big money spent, CJ Mosley and Le'Veon Bell. And that, that really smacked of the desperation of the outgoing GM, uh, Mike McCagnan. Whereas Joe Douglas seems to be spending money in, in a smart manner. And he's, although the timing of, of bringing him in was criticised last year, he's effectively been able to, to scout his own franchise in, in the previous season. So he's, he's, well, he's been well prepared for this. Anyone who's watched the Jets in the last two years know that the offensive line is, is really the, the big issue. Um, there was no Jack Conklin. Obviously, um, the, the, the Browns ended up taking him and that was somebody that the Jets wanted. So a lot, of, a lot of the work that's been done on the offensive line has been sort of middle-tier players. Um, Conor McGovern's probably the most recognisable name. Three-year contract, £27 million. Um, George Fant is an interesting one from the Seahawks uh, it, on the face of it it seems like a big contract three years 30 million but but I think less than half of that is guaranteed money um, he's played as a, as a hybrid for the Seahawks in the past in a, in a six all line set uh, that'll be interesting to see how he fits in um, Greg Van Rotten's the oldest of the the old linemen that's been brought in age 30 um, I think if you ask the majority of Jets fans um whether to stick or twist with what they had, regardless of the names that are coming in, I think most are just relieved to see a change and to see that that Joe Douglas is is um, is is making those changes because we've got a quarterback that has shown flashes of absolute brilliance. Um, however, he, he can't do it when he's on his backside. Um, there was a game in Jacksonville last year that the O line just from from the first snap lost us the game because because they couldn't keep couldn't protect him so i'm i'm glad i'm glad to see lots of work on the o line there's definitely still work to be done um in terms of bringing players back brian Poole was was a, was a was a big um player to bring back at slot corner uh, jordan jenkins has, has come back on a, on a one year quite cheap deal as well but it seems to me, it seems that Joe Douglas is, is keeping some money aside for for uh, an extension for Jamal Adams. Um, I think the Jets were middle of the pack in terms of uh, cap space. And as of today, um, I think the second in the league. Um, if I'm right, I think it's only the Browns that have more, as it stands at the minute. So, happy happy with the work. Happy to see some new faces, particularly on the O-line. Um, happy to see Brian Poole and Jordan Jenkins return. There's still some glaring spaces, so it would be nice to see us spend a little bit of that cap money on, particularly an edge rusher, um, before the season starts. There's a lot of holes to fill, and at the minute, edge is one that I think is best done in free agency. 
yeah, we can we can come on to to that in a second when we when we talk about the draft as well. Just in terms of the skill positions, obviously it's a case of one in and one out at the receiver position with mm. Bashard Perriman coming in, Robbie Anderson being let go. Just get your views on that. I'm disappointed to see to see Robbie Anderson go. Uh, I know people talk about uh, chemistry with your quarterback, and, and and that can often be over exaggerated. But Robbie Anderson and Sam Darnold had had a, had a good relationship. Uh, in the years that they played together, unfortunately for Robbie, because of because of where he was was drafted, his his ultimate aim has to be where can I go and get paid? Um, and, and what we've seen with Joe Douglas's business is is he's trying to get he's trying to get reasonably priced players in, and it, it seems as though Carolina were able to offer him a little bit more. Um, from his perspective, going going to to a place that's in flux at the quarterback position will be will be interesting. Um, he, I think he's taken a risk in going there. Obviously, he's got the relationship with with Matt Rule, the head coach. So I'm disappointed to see Robbie go. He's, he's most certainly our our best receiver. Um, that probably says more about the Jets' receiver core than than, <laughs> than anything else. Um, Richard Perryman's a strange one because you know you were to look at his stats across the season and uh, mildly impressive. I think would be the, the the analysis. It's ended the season really well. Um, I think the jury's out with that one. I'm, I'm not. I'm not disappointed, but I do think that we've we've um, we've got a poor man, Robbie Anderson, as a replacement there. I think with Perriman, it's all about opportunity. He was with the Browns season before last, and and sort of you know had a really good end to the season. Um, you know, he'd obviously been cast away from the Ravens after being drafted in the first round, and and ultimately had a bit of a revival under the Browns, and and ultimately that probably led to his move to Tampa. Obviously, in Tampa behind. Evans and um, Godwin on the depth chart. You know, he obviously got more opportunities at the back end of the season once those two were down with injuries and he did sort of flash yet again. So it'll be interesting to see if he can get a run as a genuine sort of wide receiver two or one, depending on which way you look at it. Like you say, he might, <laughs> he might be by default the one in the Jets' offence. But as you said, that's not uh, not necessarily a good thing. Um, but certainly he should get opportunities. The other sort of notable um, move in terms of one in and one out, and I'm sure this is one you were pleased with, Tremaine Johnson, who has massively underperformed since signing that big free agency contract a couple of years back, has been released unsurprisingly. And Pierre Desir picked up from the Colts, who, you know, again, has had a nice couple of campaigns. I think a few Colts fans were surprised at his release. So surely you'd be more satisfied with that one in terms of the overall impact for the Jets there. Yeah, I wasn't going to bring Tremaine Johnson up particularly because, you know, my mother always said, if you've got nothing nice to say about anyone, don't say anything at all. Um, Surprisingly enough, Tremaine Johnson ended up with a with a pick six away at the Titans last year, and and that is a, a seventy five million dollar pick six that we that we paid for. Um, it's just, I mean, if if you want a reason as to why McCagnum was fired, there it is. I mean, Tremaine Johnson from from the first from the first game he played, he, he quite clearly wasn't worth a five year seventy five million dollar contract. Obviously, you know, guarantees aside. Um, taken out of it but but I think the thing that ostracised Johnson from his teammates and, and and from the fans was was the way in which he dealt with the press um, he was very dismissive of in interviews um, towards the end of the season uh, in the locker room big smiles with the press wishing them uh, happy new year and, and, and clearing out his locker and, and, and it was the smile of a, on, on the face of a man who's made a lot of money for, for doing very little um, Pierre Desir, I know um, a little bit about from from watching the Colts here and there. Um, 
looking at looking at his his, his grade on on PFF for the last two seasons, he he certainly had a better twenty eighteen than than twenty nineteen. One thing I would say um, that has been particularly impressive with the Jets is Greg Williams has got a tune out of out of the other side of the ball. Um, if you look at the the, the names that the, the Jets have got, um, there's not a lot there to suggest that they would be um, a top half of the league D, but. I'm quite pleased with, with with the job he's done. I think he's done a really solid job. And to get people like Arthur Millet and Brian Poole, get, getting them playing the best football of their careers, I think it's it, it's good news for him, Desir, to to come to the Jets. Um, it, it could have been anyone. You know, he could have padded me up and put me in for Tremaine Johnson, and I'd have done it for <laughs> I'd, have done it, I'd have done it for nothing, and, and and the fans would have been happy. I think it was more, you know, seeing seeing Tremaine Johnson go was 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 the key thing. Um, it's the only real deal where we've we've ended up with dead money, but it, it really is a price worth paying. Yeah, no, absolutely. Like you say, certainly uh, hasn't performed anything like um, people would have expected a couple of years back. Let, let's move on then to the draft and sort of further areas in which you might be looking to improve. You mentioned there just about edge, and I'll just ask you um, with regards to that you said that that's a position you'd like to try and get addressed um, potentially in free agency there's obviously still that big piece available isn't there in Jezebian and Clowney mm. and as you said there is still the cap space there for the Jets would that be a move that you would support or would you have your eyes on a sort of lower price free agent that potentially is still available I think I think when it comes to Clowney I think 20 million per year is a lot and like I said you know um, uh, Joe Douglas's MO so far has been to pay as little as possible and, and I think he's saving cap for, for the next couple of years I'd be surprised if Clowney gets twenty million per year anywhere at the minute. Um, it would depend on the price. I think if we're talking sort of fifteen two-year deal, fifteen a year, I think we'd be getting him on the cheap, and and I'd be happy with that. Um, the the reason I want I, I want us to deal with edge in, in free agency rather than the draft is I, I certainly don't want to take an edge at eleven and and looking in in the second round. Um, I mean we'll get into it, but I mean your tour gross matos might might be there uh, but the, I don't really think there's that depth as, as you move down the board at, at edge rusher this time around so I'd, I'd, I'd like to see it dealt with in free agency which means that we can we can really stack up on offensive line and wide receiver in the draft yeah and, and moving to the draft obviously pick number 11 I believe is it 11 I think mm-hmm. it is yeah yeah pick 11 um Number of mock drafts that I've seen have certainly had wide receivers penciled in here. Is that the position you'd like to see them go for early? Um, or, you know, where would you be handing in your card if you were the GM for the evening? The the only occasion on which I'd take a wide receiver is if the big four offensive linemen have gone. Um, I, I, I think that that may be a possibility. I certainly think the Browns will be taking one at, at 10. Um there's a case for for maybe Arizona now they've sorted out the wide receiver room as well. So for me, it'd be the best old lineman left on the board if it's in that that group of four. Um, and the last two mock drafts I've done, I've 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 found Jedrick Wills is still there at eleven, and I'd be absolutely delighted with that. Uh, he would most likely be playing left tackle rather than rather than on the right side like he did for Alabama. However, if, if if those four offensive tackles have gone and there's no value in trading back, um, I think the sexier pick is is a Jerry Judy or CD Lamb, um, and it, and it's one of those picks because because of the position and because of the reputation of those players, I, I think I'd I'd get over it quite quickly that we didn't take an O lineman in the first round. 
Um, we may have, the issue may be forced. You know, I, I wouldn't be totally surprised if if the big four offensive linemen are gone by pick eleven. Yeah, I think, like you say, it depends, depends on what happens with the, the quarterbacks and how early they go in terms of what happens there with the offensive linemen. I think there's going to be some moving around the board. I spoke to Lee um, earlier on on the pod just in terms of the Miami situation and whether they will move up. Um, yeah, so there's potentially some moving and shaking to be done. But uh, certainly if one of the big four offensive linemen are there, it's going to be, um, like you say, a good opportunity for the Jets to really shore that line up. Um, and, you know, potentially come back in the second and third rounds to, to sort of look for some wide receiver help. Just in terms of where we think the Jets are then, so let's just give you some betting odds. Um, in terms of the division, they are sitting currently as the third favourites. And um, I'm going to ask this of everybody from the AFC East. I'm still amazed that the Patriots are viewed as the favourites by the UK bookies. I appreciate they've got to be beaten and dethroned, but obviously... You would suggest there's every chance of that happening. Certainly, we know Brady and all the other bits and pieces that they have lost. Um, but Patriots eleven to ten, the Jets you can get as big as eight to one to win the division, mate. Would you be tempted to have a pound on that? Uh, I don't think I'd be tempted to have ten p on that at the minute. Mind, <laughs> mind the there's optimism uh, for you. What? Just out of interest, what? What are the bills? The bills six to four, and the Dolphins twelve to one. Their best prices available as of yesterday when I got these odds from Adam. Um, I, I, I think it's the Bills this time around. Um, and to be honest, it, it it does pain me a little bit to say it, but just to see the Patriots dethroned would be, it'd be beautiful and, and it's it's high time that, that they were normal again. Um, I think the Bills are in a, are in a good position to, to, to take it next year. Obviously, Miami, if they, if, if, if they draft well, um, they could be set for the next five. Um, it does make for a, a bleak outlook for the next couple of seasons if, if, if things don't, don't, don't go our way. Um, I think there's, there's every chance this year that the Jets on the field could improve, but because of a, of a much harder schedule, we might actually end up with a, with, a, with a worse record. So I wouldn't be surprised if we won as, as little as four or five games. I think a, a, a fair estimate is, is to put the over-under at, at, at six. Um, and that's, that's if Gase sees it out, if, if Gase sees the season out. Um, that, that, that's where we're at, unfortunately. We're, we're a couple of years away from, from looking at winning the division, I think. So here's a hypothetical question for you. Would you take an improvement in terms of record to say nine and seven, you know, whether that makes the playoffs or not, who knows, but you, you, would you take a nine and seven record or would you prefer to finish something around the sort of five and 11, six and 10 mark and move on from Gase next year? It's tough. It's tough because, you know, in, in my time watching the Jets, I've never seen them in the playoffs um, and I'm absolutely desperate to see it. Um, and, and, and I think I'm more desperate to see us play in a playoff than to see Gase go. So I, th- I think I'd take I think I'd take the nine and seven. Absolutely, mate. Don't blame you. It's all about winning. And like you say, if you're having to rebuild, then it means you've got it wrong. So fingers crossed, Gase can turn it around and, like you say, build on the momentum that was built up in the second half of the last campaign. As you said, Greg Williams, you know, has done a decent job on the defence. Um, you know, he was with the Browns previously and did similar job there. Um, you know, Ben put down break style, um, you know, but certainly keeps you competitive in games. And I think the big key, we haven't talked about him much, but just, you know, before we close, I'll get your view on him. Sam Darnold, obviously, so much probably depending on him. Obviously, now in year three, missed some time last year, um, expecting to take another jump. Um, obviously, if they can keep him fit and healthy, as you said, a lot of investment to try and protect him. What do you think, you know, is the sort of um, area in terms of where Sam Darnold should be looking, you know, 
know, is he sort of a, a 4,000, 4,500 yard a season passer um, or, you know, what, what area of his game do you want to see him improve upon? The, the, the key thing, the key thing with Sam in terms of his his own um, individual improvement is is protecting the ball, giving the ball away. Um, he's the type of player that if in a game if he throws one pick, he's he's going to throw three. Um, one thing I'd like to see more of, uh, which I think he's 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 got that Gase hasn't utilised is is using his feet a little bit more. Uh, he is nimble, you know. He, he's not. Uh, sort of a, a Josh Allen type that's going to, you know, give it the juggernaut treatment for, um, and run at defenders. He's a little bit more nimble and nifty. I'd, I'd like to see him get out of the pocket and, and, and scramble more. Um, the, the key things, the key things, not turning the ball over because he's he's got some he's got some special flashes, um, and I would be gutted if if the Jets ruin a talent like like Sam. Um and I know it's I know it's hilarious for the rest of the league. I know they enjoy laughing at the Jets when when these things happen, but he's a he's a talented, talented kid. No, he certainly is, mate. You know, we we've obviously got the same problem in Cleveland with Baker Mayfield. Obviously, both taken in the same draft, and you know, a lot of talk pre that draft, which one potentially would go number one overall. It's big seasons for both of them, and you know, I'm a big Donald fan. Hopefully, he can take the next step forward. Uh, it's been an absolute. Go on, mate. In that, in that, sorry, mate. Just, just on that topic. In that draft, I, when looking at the quarterbacks, never really considered Donald uh, as being there on the board, and you know, particularly when when we were supposedly picking at six, and so I didn't spend much time at all looking at Donald. Just assumed he was going to be a Cleveland Brown, and managed to you know fall in love with Baker Mayfield, and thought he was he was exactly the guy to come and bring a, a change in attitude, and of course. It, it, it's ended up the opposite, where we've got you know the mild mannered California kid, and and um, you've got you've got the the brash quarterback with with the chip on his shoulder, and for very different reasons. Um, I, I think they are going to make a success of their careers. Um, the, the key thing for for both organisations is just just make, just keep them on the feet. Yeah, no, absolutely, mate, absolutely. Like you say, protection in both. Um circumstances absolutely key you know the Browns addressing their offensive line and the Jets doing just that you know big investment in these guys um, so absolutely the right thing to protect them been an absolute pleasure Tom talking some Jets with you where can people find you on social media if they want to carry on the conversation with you buddy if people want to talk to you about uh, the Jets it's at down the money road uh, which is um, a moniker for, for my also I talk about Bolton Wanderers. So if you are inflicted with both the New York Jets and Bolton Wanderers, definitely come and find me on there. Uh, if you're a Jets fan, check out the UK and Ireland Jets fan page. Um, apart from that, let's let's you know get our heads down, do some mock drafts, and and get ready for the 23rd of April. Absolutely, mate. Yeah, welcome distractions as things currently stand, and absolutely been a pleasure talking some ball with you, mate. We'll talk again throughout the course of the season. But for now, mate, appreciate your company, and thanks very much for joining us. Thanks. All the best, mate. Take care. Cheers. Just the one team left to take us through then in the AFC East, and of course that is the usually division winners, New England Patriots. But there's obviously huge question marks over that this time around. Unfortunately, you haven't got anybody on that wears Patriots colours, Rob, so just me and you to have a chat through this one. <laughs> um, and obviously, just huge news coming out of New England. Obviously, you know, let's start there. Current start anywhere else could be really. No more Tom Brady. Um, yeah. What's your view? 
It just it must be really deflating for uh, for Pats fans. That's all I'm going to say. As an Indianapolis fan, I'm just going to leave that there. <laughs> yeah, it's um, as you say. Um, I know you've said it's in jest, but obviously, it was such a period of dominance mm. and, and oh yeah, definitely. Obviously, a quarterback that you know whether he's the greatest of all time or not. You know, let's leave that debate for another podcast. He's certainly you know the most successful of all time. Um, yep just an incredible, incredible career that he's had there. Mm. I mean, I went on record a couple of months back now when the season finished and we started talking about the quarterback carousel and how it may play out. I I still am a little shocked that he signed elsewhere. If I'm honest, I just yeah, could I never see, I could never see him suiting up elsewhere. No, um, no, I was I was the same as you, mate. I I, I thought he would be there uh, for for until he was ready to quit. Um, but um, no, obviously not. And uh, yeah, it leaves a massive, massive hole in, in New England. Obviously, um, you know, you question his athletic uh, yeah, his athletic ability. Now he's like in, in his forties, but. It's more than that, isn't it? It's the mental aspect. It's the team leader. It's the it's it's his aura in that dressing room. He's now gone. What's going to happen? Yeah, no, absolutely. And obviously, you know, he's never necessarily been a guy that sort of makes plays outside the pocket. He's very much the prototypical pocket passer. Um, yeah. You know, so he's never really deteriorated all that much. I think what has deteriorated, and we'll touch on this in a minute, is his supporting cast. Um, and it's obviously not just Tom Brady that's gone. I mean, essentially, you're almost quicker to say who's left in New England, aren't you? Yeah, Let's be honest. Yeah. If you look at yeah. the players that have left, Kyle Van Noy, Jamie Collins, both at the linebacking core, mm. you know, just huge losses on both sides of the ball, isn't there? Well, this is what I was thinking about. You know, obviously, I had a bit of me time thinking about what I'm going to speak about tonight. And I, I was... This time last year, I was looking at that Patriots roster thinking, oh, I think this is, might be the start of the decline. And I think a lot of people thought that as well. But then you see, actually, how did they manage to do what they did last year? Because they were pretty good. And you, you look at the defence, and oh, well, that's it. The, the defence was, was really good. It was really solid. Lots of, lots of playmakers on that defence. And now you start to look and you say, OK, well, yes, they, they, they re-signed McCourty. But they're now, he's now old, um, you know. Patrick Chung's no spring chicken, um, and then then you look at the like you say Van Noy and Collins. They were the, they were the leaders of the linebackers. They're now, they're now out of town. Um, yeah, so there is pieces, big pieces now missing from what made them successful last year. Because I don't think it was the offense. I really don't. I think the offense was was good, but it wasn't great. With no TB12 and those two key pieces at linebacker, yeah, this uh, this is it's going to get real this year. I think. Yeah, no, absolutely. And as we've said so far through this pod, certainly a couple of teams, um, you know, potentially primed to step in and take over. Let's look at the draft then, because obviously, mm. you know, some big needs to fill. And I mean, where do we start here? You know, in all seriousness, you look at the quarterback room, there's only Brian Hoyer, um, essentially, with a lot of experience on the roster. Um, yeah. You know, would they go quarterback? They're obviously probably going to have to draft up if they're in play for one of the the big guys in the draft. I've seen plenty of rumour that that might happen, but I just don't see where they get all the capital to move up and make that move. Um, wide receiver outside of, of Edelman, you know, he's questionable. Tight end, they've never replaced Gronk. I know you never could like for like, but obviously they, they had zero production from that position last year. So, I mean, anywhere offensively, you could be looking as a need. I mean, tough job <laughs> as a Patriots GM in this upcoming draft. Where would you be potentially looking to upgrade? 
Well, I, I literally, uh, if you go on the website, fourteenyards.com, you'll see that my uh, latest mock draft did drop this morning. Uh, and, and the New England Patriots was a head scratcher. I got to them at pick 23. And the way it worked out for me when I did this this morning was all the, the, the what I'm calling the top three wide receivers, which is C.D. Lamb, Jerry Judy, and um, Henry Ruggs, that, that they've all gone in, in my mocks. So I don't think there'll be... You know that might Justin Jefferson might still be there, but I had him going the pick before to Minnesota. Um, so after those four, I mean, you're then starting to reach kind of second round talents in the back of the first. So I think they might leave wide receiver alone if those top three or four aren't there. Quarterbacks, I don't think they've got enough in the way of tradable assets to go and move up to a spot where they're going to get a big hitting quarterback. They're going to have to get into the top 10. I don't know if they've got enough tradable assets to, to go up and go get that. So I wonder if then again, the conversation is, well, then do you take um, one of the sort of second tier guys, uh, Jacob Eason or, or Jake Fromm? They might be there on day two. Uh, and also there's better prospects in other positions which are of need so again I've kind of thrown the quarterback out there maybe they will go with Jared Stidham this year and see what he's got and maybe they will have a, a, a quote-unquote tank year um, you know Indianapolis did for Andrew Luck that's sort of a year where they're not worried Bill Belichick's safe because of what he's done over the last God knows how many years. No one's going to, you know, demand his head. It's going to be one of them seasons where they just sit back and say, "Well, okay, we need to we need to take stock and rebuild." This is a tanking year. We're going to go get a Trevor Lawrence. We're going to go get, um, you know, one of these top uh, prospects next year. Um, so I've actually uh, the way it's fallen in my mock draft. I've actually got them drafting AJ Epinesa, who's a edge uh, edge defender, a defensive end. Uh, the reason I've gone for AJ Epinesa is he's Draft stock's taken a bit of a hit since the combine. He had a poor combine, he had a poor pro day. But the tape's brilliant on AJ Epinesa. He is a, I think he's a really good uh, edge rusher. And I know Lee, uh, me and Lee have had a bit of backwards and forwards on, on this guy before. Um, you know, Lee doesn't think he's all that. But I, I think he's good enough. And I think he's a kind of player that he's proved before that he can do it. He, he's proved that he can be special. And that's the kind of, that's the kind of player that Belichick really gets into bring in the best out of him and and Epinesa is a kind of guy that if you bring the best out of him he could be a game changer so that's why I've I've mock drafted AJ Epinesa to the Patriots um but again there's now a lot of needs on that team they could pretty much go anywhere yeah no absolutely I think you've summed it up nicely at the end there haven't you like you said it's almost you know best player available at a multitude mm-hmm. of positions so yes interesting yep. to see how the board goes what what do you think he's a good season then for the Pats I mean I, I just cannot buy into Bill Belichick sort of accepting a tank season he might not get a choice in that um, but mm-hmm. um, what, what what do you think he's a you know, constituting a good or a bad season for the Patriots. It almost seems ridiculous to say making the playoffs will be a good year considering the success that they're used to. But surely that has got to be viewed, in my view, as probably over-exceeding expectations at the moment, I would suggest. Well, I, I, yeah, it's, again, like you said, it's a, it's a difficult thing to, to put your finger on because, for me, the, the Patriots' mentality is it's win or bust. So it's it's playoffs or nothing. If you're sitting there seven and nine, eight and eight, you know, in that middle tier of you're going to be picking nineteenth next year in the draft. What's the point? You know, if if the Pats are going to rebuild, they're going to tank and they're going to do it properly. If they if they think they've still got an outside chance, they're they're still in 
a fairly easy division. No offence, um, Dolphins, Bills uh, and Jets fans, but they are still in a fairly easy position uh, in the division. Only the Bills have made any... Well, I guess the Dolphins have made moves, uh, but I was looking through the Jets earlier and the Jets look... Not that they're going to be really disappointed this year, by the way. Um, anyway, they're, so they're still in a division that is winnable. That's the bottom line. So I think they'll realise after three or four weeks where this team is. Are they still good enough to make the playoffs? Do they make a push or do they can it and, and, and get a low pick, uh, get a high pick? That's, um, that's how I think it's going to play out for the Patriots. Yeah, still that surprising um, stat that we've brought you throughout the the podcast that they are still the divisional favourites with the UK bookmakers. Mm. Um, yep. I think that is just a case of, you know, to be the man, you've got to beat the man, so to speak. Um, but you would have heard from Dr. Super Bowl earlier when we were talking bills that um, he's got them down as being the... See um, the cellar dwellers of the division, and I would probably be more inclined to think they will finish bottom as opposed to finish top, but that's just my opinion. Um, let's talk some fantasy, mate. Probably going to be a difficult question yeah. for you. Where are we looking for fantasy yeah. players from the Patriots? Mm. Uh, yeah, there's too many questions at the moment to sort of, again, put your finger on what's going to happen. Uh, the, the one that's probably going to stand out for everyone is Sony Michelle because, you know, the run game will probably be plentiful if there's, you know, obviously no TB12 there to, to, to sling the rock. We don't know who is. So it's all dependent around that quarterback and who it is and, and how he plays. And, uh, so it's, it's difficult to judge the wide receivers at the moment. Obviously, Julian Edelman, you'd think, would be a bit of a target hog uh, in the slot role. You'd, you'd think that he'd be peppered. Um, Nikhil Harry, look, the jury's still out on him. For me, I didn't like him coming into the draft last year anyway. If, you can, if you're a long-term time listener and you can cast your mind back to this time last year, I was saying on the podcast, I don't like this guy. He was, I think, my sixth or seventh-ranked wide receiver. Um and um, you know, I know he's. I know he got injured last year, but my 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 opinions haven't changed on that. I still think he's a very overrated wide receiver, so I don't think he's the answer. So, to, to, to answer your question, the fantasy aspect of the Patriots this year, I think it all hinges on Sony Michelle, and uh, I, I like Sony Michelle. I think he's a good talent, and I think he can be uh, sort of a, a difference maker on this team. So he'd be the guy that I'd still be willing to draft fairly high. Yeah, and I think there might be more of a commitment to the running game with all the uncertainty under centre, exactly, partic- exactly. particularly if they bring a rookie in as well. Like you say, Michelle yeah. might see an uptick in his workload. Obviously, last yeah. year, the defence was the one that won many a fancy championship, but obviously, as we say, boy, beware there because everyone's got another year on, on the tyres and, like I say, they've lost some key pieces there. So, uh, Yeah, that was an interesting one on my on my dynasty group, actually, or dynasty group um, with my friends here at home. Uh, I had the Baltimore Ravens defense which obviously is, is, is highly thought after um, and a guy in, in my league was, was trying to trade for them um, and he was trying to flog me a, a dead horse which was either the Minnesota Vikings or the Rams and I said to him that on the on the waiver wire was the Browns who I still I, I think I like the Browns defense especially on paper um, the Patriots defense was still there um, and the Colts defense was on the waivers and I said to him look there's three defenses there which I'd take over you know, the Vikings and the Rams. And he said, you'd really take the Patriots over those two. I thought, yeah, yeah, yeah. They were really, you know, really good in fantasy last year. And, you know, they were a top, you know, especially the last few few weeks of the regular season. And he said, yeah, but look who they've lost. And actually, when I broke it down and looked through it, 
Yeah, you're right, actually. I probably wouldn't. Um, I'd definitely take the Browns and the Colts over them this year. So that is a, a mark of, of where they've come just in, in a few calendar months uh, from being fantasy gold uh, um, for, for, their, uh, you know, for their position um, into really not being a thought of now. Yeah, certainly lots of question marks, like you say. Then you can usually guarantee New England in the playoffs. I think you will be, um, well, I wouldn't be overly surprised, but certainly a lot of questions for them to address and answer between now and then. Obviously, Patriots fans, get in touch with us, full10yards.com. Get in touch via Twitter as well. Leave us some messages. Let's interact and talk all things Patriots, one of the more intriguing teams of the off-season. Uh, that concludes the AFC East preview. And Rob, I'm going to throw you on the spot very shortly Ooh. with the question that I will answer first to give you a little bit of time to think about. Now we've talked all teams. What order are these teams going to finish in? I'm going to go Bills to win the division. This will surprise you. Miami to finish second. The New York Jets to finish third. And I am going for New England to finish fourth in the East. What do you reckon, mate? Um, uh... I don't think you're miles off, to be honest. I th- I think I think it goes Bills, Dolphins, Pats, uh, and the Jets. Honestly, the the Jets. Sorry, Jet fans, but I was my art. Another article that I wrote this morning is going to come out. It, Jets are a loser for me this off season, and they just look pitiful. I just can't see where Jets are going to string three or four wins together next year. So they're 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 the bottom for me. Then yeah, then the Pats. Um, and the Dolphins, who have made some fantastic moves this off-season, but the Bills look look set to, to go. Agree with you there, my friend. There you go then, AFC East fans, get in touch with us. Let us know how right or wrong we are indeed. We'll be back soon enough, and we'll be heading west to the AFC West. Um, obviously, a few good franchises to get our teeth into there. Mm. But for now, obviously, stay safe, everybody. Uh, let's hope that we start to get some good news in the coming days and weeks. Um, but as we always do on our podcast, let's end with the great words of Mr. Kevin Cadle and say bye-bye for now. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Full 10 Yards Podcast. Follow us on Facebook or Twitter at Full 10 Yards or email the show full10yards at gmail.com.